This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app. again out of lockdown hopefully for a good foreseeable future uh, and that means we can get back interviewing some interesting people for you and tonight uh, if I've got everything right with the buttons hopefully on the other end of the phone we have a very special guest uh, Mr. David Lauer who is the acting senior sergeant at uh, Stoke Road Policing David can you hear me? I can hear you, Steve. Good evening. Brilliant. Everything worked. That's always <laughs> reassuring when that happens. Thank you so much for joining us uh, from your home tonight. Hey, you're very welcome. No, that's great. So, um, it's uh, like I said, it's good for us to be uh, back live again, and it's good to have uh, a guest talking in again amongst us. So, um, Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself then. You're, you're acting um, senior sergeant at uh, the road policing based in Stoke, that's right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, my, uh, my normal role is a sergeant in road policing, but uh, due to a vacancy, I'm keeping the uh, senior sergeant seat warm for a period of time, uh, for a few months, um, looking after the road policing teams out at Stoke and trying to keep uh, the, the roads around uh, Nelson and Nelson Bay safe. Okay, so so what area of um, road policing do, do you cover from the Stoke base then? How how wide is your patch? Yeah, so um, we're part of the Tasman district here in Nelson. So the Tasman district itself is uh, geographically it's the biggest uh, policing district in the country. Uh, we go from Nelson over to Golden Bay all the way down the west coast down as far as uh, Haast. Whoa, I, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that, really, I wouldn't. It's that's, that's geographically, a huge it's huge. And then um, we go down through to Springs Junction and uh, on the east coast uh, down to Kaikoura. Now, the, the team that I look after, uh, we don't necessarily cover that whole area. Um, predominantly, uh, my team on a day-to-day -day basis will cover um, through to Golden Bay, down to Springs Junction and over to Blenheim. Um, right. But on occasions, uh, my teams go away and, uh, you know, we deploy as far south as Haast and we'll, we'll stay down the Haast when there's particular particular problems we need to have a look at down there or other parts of the West Coast or uh, we've got operations coming up soon where we'll be um, based at Springs Junction, you know, the busy uh, oh, yeah. traffic yeah, yeah. times. Yeah. Um, right, so so that is a vast area. I mean, obviously, Golden Bay, there's um, just the one way in and the one way out uh for all drivers there, so that's um, that must be an interesting one to cover 
sometimes if the weather's particularly bad or yeah it is yeah when the, when the uh the road doesn't close up on there um we get a few impatient drivers going over the hill of course we've got the uh traffic lights operating up on there at the moment and there can be a little bit of a wait um yeah but the the, the yeah. people in um, golden bay generally um pretty well behaved to be honest uh, when we go over there Oh, that's good. Good to hear. So, so you don't have a special button when you turn up. You can make the lights go green instantly. Then you have to worry about <laughs> uh, the rest of us. No, we have a, a button that turns lights red and blue <laughs> if <laughs> we need course. to go any faster. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Everybody gets out of the way for those ones. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure we always time it. Every time I go over, I always seem to time it just as the 12 to 15 minute light is on. But, but hey. Yeah, yeah. You're not the only one. I think I'm uh, in the same boat. Yeah. That's the way it goes. So, so that is, and obviously Blenheim is um, quite a way away. And well, I guess there are a couple of routes to get there, but um, both of them are. Well, one certainly the kind of the long way round as well, going um, yeah. Sonano. Yeah, it is. The um, we tend to have, uh, you know, the the road um, over the Wangamoas to Blenheim. Yeah, that's uh, the the busier uh, route sure. between Nelson and Blenheim um, up the Wairau Valley. Um, certain times of the year during the ski season, you know, you get a lot of uh, skiers heading up there, heading up to the Rainbow. Oh, yeah. uh, and in summer, we get a lot of tourists heading up to um, uh, up to the lakes, up to the batches in the lakes. And so, you know, we sort of uh, deploy to um, to risk. So at times when there's more uh, traffic expected on those roads, then we'll, we'll put more staff on them. But um, generally, we, yeah, we try to look for the busiest, busiest roads with the highest risk. Right. And um, obviously, I was just thinking of that, um, deploying to the busy roads because I guess when um, the Kaikoura earthquake hit and that whole east coast road was cut off for the certainly for the heavy traffic wasn't it? So that must have been particularly more busy through the Springs Junction and um, yeah, it, um, it was. Um, I wasn't actually in my current road policing role at the time. I was um, I was a frontline sergeant, um, but most of my team that I uh, supervised were working during that. Um, that period when the road was closed, and so uh, yeah, through Murchison was just um, was just crazy the traffic on that road for a, for a good couple of years. Um, so we had staff uh, that were um, deployed down to Murchison, so they were based out of Murchison for um, just about two years, just oh, to right. make sure they had the whole road covered. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine those um, cafes in Murchison loved that rerouting. They probably did quite well for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. There's a former policeman down there who owns one of the cafes, and I think uh, <laughs> right. I think he did very well out of it. I think he uh, made the choice to uh, get out of the police and uh, go into the um, the food business at the right time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be a that would be a popular stop down there. Yeah. So, um, so tell us about how you got into your role in um, the sort of road traffic uh, police, and what kind of got you in there, and how long you've been doing. Yeah, sure. So I. Um, Oh, a long time ago, about 26 years ago, in 1995, I joined the police. Um, went up to, um, sorry, I was based in South Auckland at the Mangere Police Station for the first couple of years as an officer, uh -huh. um, which suited me fine. I'm a South Aucklander, so it was uh, home territory to me. All right. Um, yeah, and that's, that was just a frontline policing role, so I, uh, you deal with everything from assaults to burglaries to um, what, whatever. Whatever comes in, you deal with it. So I had a bit of exposure up there to... Um, some road policing, some particularly horrific uh, crashes up in South Auckland. Um, oh, right. Yeah, which, which sort of yeah they leave a leave a bit of a mark on you to be honest. Um, and then I, I came down to uh, Nelson in uh, end of '97 and um, did a lot of frontline policing down here. Um, then in the early 2000s, uh, we 
had the first of the traffic alcohol groups set up around the country, and um, yeah, that was in 2003. So that's the, um, the booze bus operations that you'll see. And so oh, yeah. um, when that started, I put my hand up and thought, I'll, I'll have a go at this, and um, really enjoyed it and did a, did a couple of years on that. Um, then I did a few other roles in the police, and uh, yeah, probably the last three or four years I've been back as a um, supervisor um, with my own road policing team. I've got six staff that report to me, and um, yeah, we look after all the urban and, uh, and uh, rural roads around our area. Okay, so what what for you was the sort of the going into the road traffic as, aspect? Was it with the sort of the driving the bit, the road safety bit, the could could be anything and anything? Yeah, um, to be honest, you know, probably the first seven or eight years of my career, I, I never thought I'd go into road policing. It was just something that um, that didn't interest me. Um, but the longer I've been in the police, you can actually see that road policing is one of the one of the areas you can actually have a make a you know, make a huge difference, make a huge change. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I've, I've probably done you know seven or eight hundred drink drivers that I've taken off the roads over the years, and you just don't know which one of those people could have. You know, if I hadn't been there to stop them, he could have ploughed into another car and killed somebody. So often it's hard to quantify the impact that you have, but you just have to realise that you are having an impact. And I yeah. think that's what I like. You know, like we, we go out there every day and um, there's a p- potential that we're actually um, saving lives. It sounds a bit, a bit cheesy, a bit corny, but that's, um, that's a reality and that's what um, you know, my team believes. Yeah, because it's funny because just thinking about it... Um like how many small kids always say, "Well, oh, I wish I, I wish I could be a police car driver or an ambulance driver," because everybody just gets out your way when you put the lights on and you feel really. <laughs> about, but of course, it's just a bit more than that. But it's it can start off being the, um, yes, that sort of boyish. Aha, I've got yeah. the I've got the lights. You have to move. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it was for me. I, I've always sort of always sort of wanted to join the police. Um, I, you know, I just. I don't like people doing the wrong thing. I, you know, people that um, steal from other people or people um, that are violent towards other people, um, people that drive badly. You know, just um, I've sort of got that in my nature that I just, I just don't like that. I don't like that in, um, uh, in other people. So it, this is a job that gives me an opportunity to do, actually do something about it. Yeah, because I guess a, bit, a big part of the police's role is sort of, well, it's um, prevention as well and education and deterrent and all sorts of aspects to it, isn't it? It certainly is, yeah. Like, um, in, probably in the last 10 years or so, the prevention side of policing has uh, has really taken off. It's become huge. So uh, whenever we're looking at an incident, uh, we don't look at things in isolation. We look at how we can um, how we can change, uh, change the outcomes for people. Um, we've got a lot of really good schemes in Nelson now, not just for road policing, but for, um, for other offending. Um, Done through the um, uh, the EWI panel here in Nelson. So what we do is rather than putting putting people in front of the court where they just uh, end up with a conviction mm-hmm. and um, you know which has a whole lot of other uh, complications for their life, um, we put them in front of the EWI panel. They uh, get um, held accountable for what they've done, and um, but it, it avoids them getting a criminal conviction and uh, just takes a holistic approach. That we t- um, talk to them about what's going on in their life, what's caused them to do this offending, and then, um, you know, if there's a way to help them, uh, it may be a case that they've been driving for a long time without a driver's licence, they may right, yeah. lack confidence to, to go and sit the test, and so um, the EV panel will um, help them out with um, driving lessons and then have somebody help them um, right through uh, through the testing stages. And, yeah, it's um, it's actually a really good good uh, way we're heading now, rather than just, 
getting out there and prosecuting people for doing the wrong thing. We're actually um, right into the restorative um, side of policing and, uh, and preventative policing. Ah, that's interesting because that's often, you know, one of the things that can get um, accused at the authorities, I guess, is, ah, you're just revenue generating and you're doing all this. But yeah. it sounds like now there's it's more, uh, like I said, a focus on, well, what's causing the offending? How come, are there wider circumstances? Is it bad decision-making? Are there things we can help with to just stop it in the bud rather than just carry on making those same? Yeah, absolutely. We... um yeah, we're looking at um, all of the factors that go into the uh, into the offending. Um, I can't say it's always been like that. You know, I've been around long enough now to remember there were times when it was a statistics game and it was all about um, who could write the most tickets out, who could have the most arrests. Okay. Um, but we've well and truly moved past that now, and it's actually we're in a really good place. I think the police um, and uh, the way we we respond to um, to incidents now. Okay, because that that's good. good segue into the kind of the next question because you've already started covering a bit of that but um obviously you know road safety is something that's very very dear to the police's and a lot of authorities hearts um what so what that's i guess one of the things you think has changed for the better in the last 20 years on road safety i mean it's a huge topic all sorts of things we could discuss on that but um yeah yeah there's um yeah there's probably not just one thing that um you could nail down and say um, change for the better, but there's a, there's a, I think there's a lot of factors that have gone into um, into improving road safety. Um, you know, if you just look at cars alone, the the standard and the quality of the cars and the safety features that they now come out with uh, to what they were 20 years ago. And you know, 20 years ago we were driving cars that were 20 years older than that. So you know, you're driving for the 40 year old cars today, but um, the modern cars, the safety features they have are just they're fantastic. You know, they're, they're built to um, give the driver and passengers the best um, possibility of surviving a crash. Um, so cars are huge, uh, come on hugely. Um, the roads, we're getting better roads. Um, 20 years ago our roads were, were pretty unsafe. Um, a lot of them are still unsafe and a lot of the speed limits on the roads, uh, our roads are still too high. Um, but you know, the, if you look at Nelson here, the Wongamars, we, uh, the speed limit was lowered there um, December last year down, from 100 down to 80. And the reason for that was it's it's not a it's not a road that is um, designed for having traffic travelling at 100 kilometres an hour on it. Um, it's the speed limits on the are much safer. Um, so there's a whole lot, whole lot of things. Um, yeah, the the driver licensing system has changed. Um, yeah, so there's a lot that's um, that's changed. I think for the better. Okay, because I mean, uh, uh, it's interesting that the Blenheim and the speed limits one is a is obviously a controversial one because a lot of people say, well, I've driven that road for 30 years and I've never had an accident and I can do it at 100, no problem, and da-da-da-da-da. Um, and, uh, you know, that sort of, well, how, how do you make a huge stretch of road like that safer um, without... Or, or, or the other argument, I guess, is people get frustrated at being stuck at 60 in some elements, so they try and do stupid things. Yeah, um, to be honest, so when I um, when the, it was first announced that they were lowering those speed limits, I, I live out this the north side of uh, Nelson, and I was a bit annoyed because I travel that road every day. Um, but in saying that, I've been to um, many fatal and serious crashes on that piece of road and on the Wongamars. Yeah. Um, since the the uh, since the speed limits were changed, 
um, you know, we're going back eight, nine, nearly ten months now. Um, from my perspective, I don't think we've had any, or we haven't had any fatal crashes, and I can't think of any serious injury crashes that have happened on that bit of road now that oh, the speed limit okay. has been reduced. Okay, yeah, so some I... of it was just um, was silly, to be honest. You know, there's, uh, having 100 kilometres an hour driving up the Wongamawas um, is just a ridiculous speed. 60 kilometres uh, is, you know, really as fast as you would want to drive that piece of road. Yes, yeah, some, some of those corners are pretty darn tight. If there's, if there's any cars that can go around 100 kilometres an hour around those corners and still stay on the road, I'd yeah. be impressed. That's, that's right, and it's often, you know, it's... Um, it's not necessarily the speed that's the issue. That's um, it's when something happens. It's the time it takes to stop, mm. um, and that's that's what will kill you or get you into trouble. It's not necessarily the hundred kilometres an hour. Um, you know, our police cars are big and fast, and they can drive those roads pretty well um, at higher speeds. But um, you know, when something uh, happens on the road in front of you that you're not expecting, um, that's when you're likely to get into trouble, and that's where you. Um, you know, it's much better to be driving at 60 or 80 than it is at 100. Your, your stopping time is reduced considerably. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. that that's probably it. You being in the police, road police, have seen a lot of the results of bad luck, bad decisions, bad consequences that most of us who might have been driving that road for 30 years or whatever just haven't. We've been lucky or we've never come across, you know, that... that split second thing hasn't happened to us at the wrong time yeah that, yeah that's right um yeah we do see a lot of it um but you know i don't want to scare people out there and um, have them think that the roads are getting worse and um the number of fatalities on our roads are, are going up because it, it's quite the opposite actually we're um um probably the, the worst time on our roads in new zealand you've got to look back to the 1970s where oh, right. um they were up you know up to sort of 800-odd people a year um, were dying. I think because um, about 850 died in 1973. And uh, we probably had a population of 2.5 million back there and uh, and probably a quarter of the amount of cars on the road. But we had huge numbers of people dying. So, um, you know, a lot's been done right, um, whether yeah. it's reducing speed limits or um, uh, alcohol limits or improving the roads or better cars. But, you know, the road toll has come down... Um, yeah, it's significantly from what it was you know, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, and presumably, um, I mean, things like the use of safety belts as well, um, people using those, although there are still, you still hear of quite a few incidents where people, or sometimes kids in the back, haven't been belted in, and you're thinking, why? Why in 2021 are people still not, like, wearing a safety belt, it seems? Well, yeah. comprehensible kind of thing. Yeah, I know. So sometimes, it, sometimes it can be an honest mistake. You know, sometimes, you know, um, mum or dad pulls away from the dairy and uh, they get a couple of hundred metres down the road and they've forgotten to put it on. But um, there are still still people out there who are just um, just hardcore opposed to wearing their seatbelts and they um, and and they won't wear them. You know, um, the, other, the one that annoys me is when you you get the little babies and wee kitties that aren't uh, secured in mm. um, baby seats in the cars. Um, you know, I went to a particularly horrific crash up in Auckland um, you know, 25 years ago where um, a mum in, sitting in the back seat of the car was holding on to the baby um, and a drunk driver um, ran head on into the car and, you know, there's just mm. no way she could yeah. hold the baby and, um, yeah. you know, we, we lost a, it was only about a six-month-old kitty. Um, oh, you know, when you see that sort of thing, um, <laughs> you realise the importance of um, of seatbelts and of um, 
proper restraints and uh, yeah. seats for, for children and babies. Yeah, and having, having with four children myself, I know a lot of the times they can argue quite vociferously <laughs> about me yes. belted in or something, but yeah, you just got to try bribery, blackmail, anything. Yeah. Just, just no, no physical violence. No, no physical violence, of course. But yes, no. <laughs> I scream at the end of the trip, whatever it takes. That's right, your bribes, bribes work. <laughs> <laughs> Good bribes to get them uh, belted in and stay belted in. And, yeah, yeah and, mum, and, we, and we do come across those kiddies as well, um, where mum and dad think they've got them buckled in. And, uh, true, yes. the, the kids are wriggled out. And, uh, yeah. Yes, the escape artists. They are, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, so, that's, that's, so we've got better cars, we've got better roads, we've got sort of more um, campaigns and education about safety belts, drink driving. Um, any, any other aspects you reckon have been seriously improved over the last 20 um, years on road safety, or does that cover most of them? Yeah, I think we've probably covered most of them. I think um, I think the drink driving one's an interesting one. Um, I'm old enough to remember um, you know, my teenage years and my parents' generation mm-hmm. where drink driving uh, wasn't policed anywhere near as heavily as it is today. And um, there was certainly a culture in New Zealand where you would have a few drinks and then you would drive home. And I, yep. I shouldn't say it, but I mean, with my dad doing it um, with us as kids in the in the car, um, we'd go and visit um, relatives and um, they'd have it, you know, be drinking wine into the night and drive us home. And it was just, it was just acceptable back in those days. Whereas I think our society, as society, we've really moved on and um, it's just not acceptable anymore to, to drink and drive. Uh, whereas it was, always, it was a bit of a joke, you know, um, mm. you know, 40 or 50 years ago, and um, you know, the common phrase was, you know, have another one for the road, and yeah. you know, we don't we don't see that as much now. And um, if we're looking at drink driving, and uh, we still find on uh, when we, with our checkpoints and when we're catching our drink drivers, a lot of them are the older generation, the older people. Um, the message seems to have got through you know, quite well to. Um, to the teenagers and to the younger people about uh, not drinking and driving, but you know, it's still the older ones there that are um, you know, still haven't haven't quite yeah. got it. I'd say. See, that seems it seems like because obviously there's the the boy racers phrase has the bad reputation on the roads, but may, maybe it's us old fogies who actually have the worst reputation for <laughs> attitudes. So that's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was a boy racer once, and hopefully I've grown up a little bit from that. But um, we don't have such a problem in Nelson uh, with the boy racer scene. Um, we did, you know, 20, 15 years ago, there was there was a few problems with them, but these days are um, they're pretty good, to be honest. Okay, that's that's good. And and yes, maybe when uh, what's it, Kahatu Park gets going uh, over in um, near Tapawera, that will give us a chance for us all to get our boy or girl racer um, <laughs> things out on a proper yeah. track and stuff. That would be good fun. Hopefully, that gets going. So. Um, what about, I mean, road road safety is still obviously something that gets talked about quite a bit in the news um, and media when it does go wrong still and relatively, uh, you know, still the, the death rates and the serious injury rates are hovering around. Okay, they've gone down a lot since that sort of 800 figures uh, back in the 70s, but um, still kind of quite high-ish for um, a sort of developed country or the proportion of population we have. So what aspects do you think are lagging behind? What what would the police like to see more movement on or improvement on? on? Yeah, well, I, I probably can't speak for the whole of police, but I think sure. from a uh, personal perspective, I think um, what will 
certainly bring um, road toll down as more investment in our roads. And, and that is happening, and it's a hard one because there's always competition for um, you know, for the tax dollar and where it's going to be spent and you've mm-hmm. got, you know, health and education and all those things. Um, but roading, you know, our, our roading network, it, it's improved a lot from what it was, but, um, you know, if we have more um, uh, divided lanes, uh, you know, it's, uh, barriers, oh, that yeah. type of thing, removal of um, what they call roadside furniture, whether that's um, power poles or uh, light posts or... Um, trees that if somebody makes a mistake and they lose control, vehicle runs off the road, they're not going to uh, impale themselves on a tree. Mm. Um, those sorts of things. You know, so there's a lot, lot can be done improving, um, improving the road roads. Um, also, I think speed limits need to be looked at, and uh, you know, we've done it on um, on some of the um, the bigger roads around Nelson recently, which um, you know we've knocked them down from 100 down to 80. But the ones that sort of concern me are some of the smaller roads, um, you know, the small rural roads, which um, still have a 100-kilometre-an-hour speed limit. And, and to be honest, some of them, you know, you shouldn't be driving faster than about 40 or 50 on them. Um, so right. I think, yeah, I think there's work that could be done on those. Um, you know, but also if, if we do get the, you know, decent roads built and decent motorways, I don't see why we couldn't have a speed limit of 110 or 120 like they do in European countries, but the road's got to be um, fit for purpose, and a lot of our roads aren't. Because yeah. um, yeah. they started doing that up in some or some of the newer motorways up Auckland Way or... Is it yeah, Wellington? I think the one between Auckland and of... uh, Waikato, I haven't driven it, but I, I think that might be 110. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think over, over time, as our vehicle fleet... Um, modernises. We, you know, that's that's going to be um, or continue to contribute to um, the road toll coming down. Um, you know, because when you've got um, decent airbags and safety features mm. built into modern cars, you know, they they do save lives. Yeah, and obviously those there are those government campaigns encouraging folks yeah, to buy the yeah. the best car they can for the budget. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they have in terms of safety because car may look cool but it may yeah being in the hospital for two months isn't that's cool. right yeah yeah um okay so uh, what about i mean with the um safety aspect and stuff i was going to say um or, or one theory it was, was i was discussing with someone else is do, do the sort of modern cars tend to give you this um feeling of invincibility almost because they're so easy to drive they've got so many safety features it's sort of you know then you but you still can't defy the laws of physics kind of thing. no you can't you, you certainly uh, can't defy the laws of physics but um you know as long as you stick into the to the speed limits and to the uh into the road rules and driving within your ability um yeah and the chance that you are in a crash the you know you certainly um Increase your your chances of survival by being in one of those modern cars with yeah. the, the modern safety features. Yeah, and that's that's something you've obviously sort of seen over the years in terms of people being able to walk away from a yeah. from must, what must look like some pretty horrendous um, mangled wrecks. But in some cases, the older the car, they don't. That's right. You know, you, some of the wee cars on the road, you know, that are twenty odd years old, some of the little small hatchbacks, um, twenty twenty five years old. Uh, with very few safety features, um, you know, I'm afraid if you have a have a uh, head-on crash in a um, open road at 100 kilometres an hour with with a um, you know, modern Ford Ranger or something like that, you know, your survivability is is pretty low. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's 
sobering stuff. Yeah, it is, unfortunately. So, yeah. I've been to God one of those, so yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking so, from experience. Yeah. So, so the sort of overall um, road deaths then, because I think it was something like this, three fifties and stuff, isn't it? At the moment, um, a yeah. lot, a lot of that. You reckon if the roads were made safer in terms of this road um, environment, and that, that if you do make a mistake or hit black ice or have a blowout or whatever, the, the consequences of you hitting something or being forced or being kept away from oncoming traffic. Um, that that will make the big one of the biggest differences. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, we, we're hovering up around about that um, three fifty, I think, um, for the last year or two. You know, we've been down as low as two hundred and fifty within recent memory. I think it was back in two thousand and thirteen. We had about two hundred and fifty, two hundred and fifty-four, I think it was fatalities, which is still way too many. Um, but we've we've sort of dropped the ball a wee bit since then, and it's back up to the you know into the three fifties. Um, it's not really. Um, any magic science to to getting the road toll down. If we can get everybody to buy into the you know just the basics of um, of safe driving, which is um, your restraints. Make sure you've always got your uh, seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. Um, impairment. Don't drive uh, if you've been smoking meth or smoking cannabis or drinking alcohol. Um, you know, don't don't use your cell phone uh, when you're driving and uh, keep to the uh, the speed limit or. Uh, an appropriate speed for the conditions, and you know, if everybody stuck to those rules, um, you know, you'd probably just about do me out of a job. <laughs> well, we wouldn't want that, but in a way, we would. <laughs> right, so, so yeah. See what you mean. Well, that's the ultimate goal, actually, is to is to put me out of work, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this because you mentioned about meths and um, you know drugs and stuff, and that's that's quite a political issue, isn't it? About because in, in terms of random drug testing, by the right, so we have random alcohol testing. At the yeah. moment, but we don't have random drug testing, and I'm sure I read—I can't quote it, so it's not really a proper statistic—but something like there were there were more people with drugs in the bloodstream driving, far more than alcohol, and that was sort of over the limit on alcohol, and that the impairment effect that can have is, yeah. is potentially worse. Yeah. So um, I was actually talking to one of our serious crash investigators today, and just had a quick talk to him about. Um, you know, what he's seen in um, fatals over the last few years um, uh, from the toxicology reports that come back. And um, he was telling me that over half of them have been um, methamphetamine, cannabis and alcohol, uh, one or a combination of the three. Oh, um, right. Okay, and over yeah. 50% of the fatals. Um, when it comes to testing for drugs, um, we, you know, alcohol is a very easy to test for at a um, at a traffic stop or at a checkpoint. Um, uh, yeah, because it's yeah, we've got a, a device yeah. which is very accurate, which picks up any presence of alcohol on your breath. Um, at the moment, we don't have uh, such a device for drug testing, right. but um, we can test you if we were to pull you over and we suspect that you have been using drugs. And there, there are some steps that we can uh, can take. There's uh, some tests we do. Um, you know, walking a straight line, those sort of things. You might have seen them on some of the American mm-hmm. uh, cop programs, but there's some tests we do at the roadside, and um, if that gives us a reasonable cause to suspect that you have um, a, an illegal drug in your system which is impairing your ability to drive, then we can take you back to the station, um, we can get a nurse to come down, um, take a blood sample, send that away, and have a look to see what's, um, 
what's in your blood and what's causing your behaviour. So we can do it. It's, um, it is not as simple as um, waving a breath screening device in front of somebody's yeah. face and getting a pass or a fail result. There's a lot more involved in it. So it, um, it's a quite a slow process. So, um, But that is, that's about to change. Uh, there is uh, legislation still going through Parliament around saliva testing for um, for drugs, and so that's going to come, and that's going to speed things up considerably. And oh, I think, right. I think we're going to be quite shocked with the amount of people that uh, we do actually pick up um, when that comes in. Mm, yeah, well, that, so it's a sort of kind of technology issue at the moment, as it were. But that sounds like yeah. that's about. To, yeah, the methamphetamine is a is a big one, and it's a big one in our area. Um, just in the last few years, I can think of some pretty horrific crashes where. Um, yeah, innocent people have been killed by people, um, by offending drivers, mm. driving under the influence of methamphetamine. Um, yeah, it's a particularly nasty one. Um, and, yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's featuring heavily in, um, in crash statistics. Right, so that that sounds like that uh, needs some addressing, but it sounds like it's going to get it as well. Um, yeah. And what about the whole distraction thing? Because, again, there's big debates about mobile phones because... They're obviously so pervasive, and we've all kind of said, "Oh, yeah, just oh, there might be an important call. Oh, I'll just have a quick glance." And it's so tempting to sort of, and then you do it a bit more, and nothing happens, and then you do it a bit more, and nothing happens, and then you do it, and you weren't looking, and then something horrendous happens. Yeah, it's, it's one of my um, pet hates. Actually, is the is um, the distraction of um, cell phones, and so I do get my teams out there targeting it quite heavily, and we've got some little sneaky spots we go to where we can stand and watch the cars as they drive past and yeah. see what people are doing in their cars and uh, so like yeah, it's the actually quite surprising normally I, um, you know, within a uh, period of an hour or so you can pick up 20 people on their cell phones um, and we, we get everything you know, we had a girl came through the other day and um, she was playing uh, an online game on her phone while she was driving oh um, my goodness yeah, um, okay. we've, we're picking up um, we've been doing this for a few years and we're now starting to pick up uh, the same people using their phones in the same spot that we caught them uh, oh. 12 months or 18 months ago. So, yeah, some, yeah, some people just don't learn. Um, you know, the fines increased recently for it. They went up from $80 to $150 fine. Um, well, that's, that's quite significant. Some, some, I know some people have been saying, well, just confiscate the phone or make it 1000 bucks or something right way over the top, maybe. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think if you speak to most of the road policing staff, when it comes to... Um, uh, what we think works is um, we don't actually think, think that fines work and we, none of us agree with um, having ridiculous fines for um, any type of traffic offending, oh, to be honest. Okay. We'd much rather have it dealt with um, through demerit points. Um, right. you know, treat, it's a road safety issue, then we treat yeah. it as a road safety issue. This person's you know, not showing um, the ability to, to drive a vehicle safely on the road because they've been speeding, they've been um, not wearing their seatbelt, they've been on their phone, so you hit them with um, the demerit points. Because mm. um, often, you know, with, um, with fines, um, it's a wee bit inequitable. There's people out there who can afford to, to pay a yep, you know, $200 true. fine, um, but there's a lot of people who can't, and then that just compounds for them and it becomes goes through to the courts and collections and, um, you know, just... Uh, it, it hits sometimes hits um, people, um, you know, the, at the lower socio-economic end of society. It hits them a lot harder than yeah. um, than other people. 
Uh, whereas demerit points is even for everybody. Um, yeah, no, that's that's true. So, yeah. people of the top We've, of the south, you have been warned. They're watching, yeah. you. and just like the favourite white bait, white bait spots and fishing spots, they're not they're not going to reveal where they are. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of people out there that know it, and uh, it's quite quite nice. They drive past, and they'll give us a toot and a wave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, with, the, with the fines, actually, one uh, sorry, just one last yeah. thing on that is. Um, with the um, graduated license system, um, learner drivers and restricted restricted drivers, if they breached their license conditions, um, it used to be $400 fines. And so uh, a learner driver without any L plates in their car, um, they could be hit with $800 fine, Whoa. and um, which was, you know, that was ridiculous. The um, There was no demerit points on it. And so what we had was all these young people, because it's mainly young people on, on the learner's licenses, racking up twenty dollars or $30,000 worth of fines they were never going to be able to afford to pay them, uh, yeah. and they would end up um, being put in front of the courts. And uh, so it was just, it was ridiculous. Um, a $400 fine, most most adults um, working full-time will struggle to pay that yeah. sort of a fine. A um, so they, sensibly, a few years ago, they reduced that fine from $400 down to $100, and, um, but they put demerits on it. They put 35 demerit points on it for the breach. So, um, oh. yeah, that was a much more sensible way yeah. of dealing with it. So not being able to drive full stop, potentially... Yeah, is a much bigger sort of. Well, I need to change my behaviour potentially if I want to be mobile. That's right, and that's what we find. You know, when we talk to people, they it's the demerit points that worry them. You know, they yeah. they are often asking how many demerit points have I got? Um, you know, when will they drop off? You know, and that's the thing that concerns them. They don't really worry that they, you know, about the fine. It's the demerit points. Yeah, especially if if their work involves um, driving. That's right. As, yeah, as part of that, that can be pretty significant impact. So yeah. actually, on that whole fines and sort of um, thing issue, then speeding, because I said in my questions, quite a few of us, we can be a bit Jekyll and Hyde about speeding. Like, we we kind of be very, oh, you shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that. And then we kind of look down at the speed on my train. Oops, I seem to be speeding. Or, well, I'm in a hurry today, and I need to get where I need to be by a certain time. And, of course, all the car ads. Nobody ever sold lots of cars by saying that it, this one's really slow. Uh, <laughs> And stuff. So speeding is a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a tricky one. Yeah, um, you know, it's fair to say that we, well, most of us like to drive fast. I suppose that's why you join the police. You get the opportunity to do it legally. But legally? No, <laughs> no, no not course. really. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, speed, um, unfortunately, it's it's just one of those, um, the big factors when it comes to um, the survivability of a crash is... Right. Um, the speed that you're travelling at um, it, it will, it has a big impact on whether you're going to live or die or the person that you hit is going to live or die. Um, there's sort of no way of buttering it up. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, speed does kill. Yeah, so it's it's that sort of ultimate impact as in, okay, your car can have lots of safety features but can't transcend yeah, the that's right. physics yeah. and uh, yeah. the faster you're going. And, well, it's also, I think, I remember from the pretty horrendous adverts what it does to your potential internal organs even if your safety belt and airbags do work you get seriously bashed around inside um yep they, uh, they get squeezed out through your rib cage so yeah. um yeah the speed itself won't kill you it's um you know you could drive at 200 kilometers an hour in a straight line and um, that's not going to kill you but it's it's if you have to stop suddenly uh, when something happens that you're not expecting, yeah. uh, when you have a defect with your vehicle, that's what that's what kills you. You just um, you cannot stop in time, and um, it's the, it's the stopping that kills you, not the speed. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. 
So we've all got to think about those consequences next time we're impatient and in a hurry. And Yeah. I found that um, having cruise control on a vehicle is fantastic. Um, never break the speed limit with uh, cruise control. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's true, actually. Set that for more frequently. Yeah. Yeah. Put your phone in the glove box and set the cruise control. And put your seatbelt on. And put your seatbelt on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so actually, let's go back and talk about that sort of learners and stuff. So um, what about the driving tests? Should they be stricter? Should there be a longer period? Is that is the driver education part of the safety thing or not such a big proportion of the problem? Yeah, well, um, when I got my driver's license, it was a long, long time ago now, but um, it was a pretty simple test. I, um, I had to answer some written questions and then I had to speak to a... Um, chief traffic officer and I think I had to answer three out of five questions correctly Whoa. and then, then yeah. go for a drive around the block and back into a driveway so it was a very simple process you could yeah. you could turn up and um, in an hour later you'd have a full driver's license with no conditions on it to drive uh, when and wherever you want um, so the, the, the process we've got today with the, with the graduated system where you go from a learner's to a restricted to a full license it's um, it's a much uh, much more difficult system than than what it used to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's perfect. I've actually just had uh, my two children in the last four years have gone um, right through the, um, both of them have gone right through the process. And um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty difficult um, system for, for young people to, um, to, to pass to, to get their full licenses. I sort of wonder whether it's, um, and sometimes I wonder whether it's just a little bit too hard. Um, okay. Yeah, um, I might be a bit soft then. I might be a bit out of line with some people, but um, I don't personally. I don't like the, um, the issuing of a learner's license because what I find a, happens a lot um, when you issue a person with a um, plastic card with their photo on it and it says driver's license, they think, well, that's it. I've got my driver's license. They forget about the part that says a learner, which means that um, they're actually only allowed to. Um, drive a car and um, when they've got somebody with a full license sitting next to them and supervising them. Um, There's a lot of people out there, as soon as you give them that learner's license, that's it. Um, They forget about everything else um, as far as graduating through the classes and um, they get stuck on their learners. And Uh we come across people all the time who are on a learner's license, who have been on their learner's license for three or four or five years, or sometimes they might have graduated to their restricted license. but that's it, then they stop. And so, because it is a very long um, process, and, you know, the, the driving tests, are, um, they're, they're pretty strict. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a hard process uh, for some people to, to make uh, it all the way okay. through. Um, I'm, you know, I'd quite like to see it reviewed and just look at ways that it can be um, streamlined a bit to, uh, to make it a bit, um, bit more user-friendly, a bit easier for people to get their licences. Still, um, they'll have to pass certain safety requirements, but I'd like to see it just made a little bit easier. Okay. Well, what about the sort of retests um, after a certain point in time or something? Because in some respects, you know, we do our learners, we do our restricted normally when we're younger, and then we can drive on the road for the next 50, 60 years without yeah. any checkups, kind of thing. I, I don't actually think you need a retest. I think if you're the sort of person that um, drives safely, um, you can drive on the roads for 50 or 60 years and you'll never probably ever speak to a policeman. Um, if you're the sort of person that um, speeds 
or drinks and drives or drives dangerously or has poor driving habits, then chances are you're going to get stopped by the police. You're okay. going to lose your licence, whether it's um, through a court conviction or for demerit points. And so, in effect, you know, you're going to be held accountable um, and the people that aren't safe on the road, which is the ones you'd want to be ta- targeting um, you know, with a retest, in effect, well, we are targeting them and, and they are being um, yeah, being picked okay, up. So okay. I think you could end up with just a, a huge big bureaucracy with um, you know millions of people having to go and reset their licences and, and people who, who just really don't need to. Yeah, so you're just going to say, well, that's kind of what we're there for, to identify those who might need some... Yeah, that's right. It's, it's yes. our job to identify them and get them off the road. The ones that, you know, and once they've lost their, their licence, if, if they're a significant risk on the road, then eventually they uh, it comes to a point where they get disqualified indefinitely and they're not allowed back on the road. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we've got it, got it about right there. You know, there is a requirement. I think it's when you reach 80, or I think it is where you have to um, um, be retested every two years, I think it is, top of oh, my head, right. but that's... That's um, yeah. Okay, we all know that as we get older, um, you know, perhaps our eyesight goes and we, our reactions aren't quite as fast. And so that's yeah. just as um, that's just there to um, to make sure that they're still safe on the road. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's um, I think that's quite responsible. Yeah. Okay. And what about? I mean, this may not be quite your area, but the sort of compulsory insurance debate, as in, um, you know, you can't you have to have full insurance or you have to have at least some form of insurance to... Yeah, I know they do this a lot overseas. I think the UK and um, some of the states in Australia um, have compulsory insurance. Um, yeah, from a personal point of view, um, you know, I do go to a lot of crashes where, um, unfortunately, one party's got their insurance, but they tend to be the victim and the other party has no insurance. And so mm. the, um, the insured person often... Um, it becomes quite a hassle for them. They uh, they, will, they do get paid out, um, and it would would make things a lot simpler, I suppose, if, if both both parties had at least third party insurance. Um, so um, so the victim in the matter um, wasn't out of pocket; they didn't lose a no claims that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'd have to have a closer look at that. I mm. I don't really know quite how it operates overseas, and yeah. whether it's um, yeah whether there are unintended consequences of something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's sort of various arguments about, well, if they're not paying for the insurance, they're probably not maintaining the car either and stuff. But then there's the flip side. You think, well, if you haven't got any insurance, that might actually make you drive more safely because you think, oh, I don't want to crash this, flipping it, because, you know, I don't know. But um, who knows? Yeah, I think you'd find some of the, um, a lot of the people we deal with, um, you could make the insurance compulsory, um, you know, they're supposed to have a registration, they're supposed to have a warrant of fitness, they're supposed to have a driver's licence, um, all those things. They're supposed to have tread on the tyres on their car. They don't have those, so you could call it compulsory insurance, but, um, it's just you another know, thing. <laughs> it'd be another thing that they wouldn't do. <laughs> OK. Yeah. Well, the, the, um, the honest law-abiding people would do it, um, but those people, I think, are probably already insured anyway. Yeah, OK. Yeah. So... Again, a slightly political issue potentially. Any more? Do, what, what do you think about whether the police should have more powers or more resources or any particular thing you'd like to see? If you had, yeah, more, more resources. For like like, we'll we'll never say no to more staff. I'd always love to have more more staff, but yep. um, yeah, I guess we have to look at the uh, the um, uh, the economic situation and realise that's probably not going to happen for a wee while. Um, as far as powers go, though, we've got some pretty good powers. Um, Particularly under road policing, um, there's some, you know, we've, we've got some um, some pretty good powers for dealing with offending dri- drivers. Um, 
putting people in front of the courts, holding them accountable, taking their cars off, and there's, there's a lot of things that we can do. So I don't think there's um, a need for us to have any more powers. Um, okay. Yeah. Did you say higher fines as well? Was that part of that? Well, it could be, yeah, whether, you know, because you said you don't think the fine system is, is a good approach for for various reasons, the demerit thing is better. Whether a more technology, a sort of spotting stuff, or but then it gets a bit big brotherish kind of thing potentially. Or yeah, it does. Um, that that, that'll be the way things will head. You know, there's no doubt about that. Um, you will in time see more speed cameras out on the road, and I imagine there's going to be uh, cameras that'll be looking for people not wearing seatbelts and using cell phones. That's just, I think, the way it will develop and I have heard talk of those things coming um, in the future there's no date set for them but um, coming in the future um, so yeah technology will, you know, I don't know what it would look like in 10 years time there could be some, some things that we can't even think of now that um, yeah. that'll be on the market you know, for um, law enforcement you um, higher fines yeah, we talked about that I'm not a fan and I don't think you'll find any road policing staff that are a fan of higher fines um, yeah. I believe the the, the whole uh, fine system is being reviewed at some stage in the near future, so I don't know what will happen there. Um, but it'd be nice to think the fines would go down and the demerits would go up, but I, yeah. I don't know whether that'll be um, what will actually happen. Because I mean, you're you're into primarily changing behaviour for the better, and you, you kind of think, well, if people get issued with masses of speeding tickets from or whatever from automation stuff they might just get annoyed but is it going to change their behavior i would kind of imagine and this is just imagining it that if you get stopped by a policewoman or a policeman and it's that human interaction that's that's what you're going to remember and that's probably going to have the bigger influence in terms of talking with a person and understanding their point of view about why you're getting this yeah yeah it is um mechanical yeah, there, there are times that we um you know obviously the whole education side of it is really important to us and you know we're, we're looking for opportunities to um to help the person you know if it's something that we can do or something that we can refer them particularly when it comes to driver's license you know obviously we've, there's a lot we do around that to um to try and get the person uh to to be on the road legally yeah. uh, and then they you know they cause less work for us and, and less problems on the um on the roads um so yeah, um, the, the whole interaction with with the drivers is, is really imp important as well. You know, you get a lot of information from them, you know, about their circumstances and you know yeah. potentially what what you can do to help them. And um, you know, I think I said earlier, you know, it used to be a numbers game once. You know, write as many tickets out as you could, and um, you know that's how you were basically um, you know graded, I suppose, by by right. your boss. You know, if you if you wrote the most tickets, you were the best worker. If you wrote the least, you were the laziest. Um, whereas these days we we don't do that at all. It's all about um, the quality of the tickets that we write out when we write them, and we're only really focusing on those um, those things that I mentioned. You know, restraints. You know, not wearing your seatbelt, impairment, um, distraction, using your cell phones, and um, and speeding. Those are the things that that we focus on. We're not so worried about um, you know the the more minor types of things, um, and uh, you know, uh, registrations. One that. Uh, if we stop you without a registration on your car, we will um, give you what's called compliance. And so we'll write you the fine out, but we'll give you 28 days to go and get yourself um, a new registration sticker oh, yeah. sorted yeah. out. And likewise, with um, if you're warranted fitness as well, we'll um, give you 28 days to get that sorted out. We, we just don't want to you know, um, be targeting things that aren't necessarily 
um, improving safety on the road. Because you know, our job is to, to make the road safer. It's not to take money off people. Yeah, there you go, folks. Not income generation. So no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. So yeah. let's get. Oh, we've, how many have we got? we've only got about five minutes left. Blinky deck. Oh, jeepers. See, <laughs> Sorry, I'll keep on uh, blabbing on. No, no, blabbing is good. It's a talk <laughs> show. That blabbing is definitely good. Um, so actually, because let's get on to this. You, so you've been in that in the traffic police, sorry, was it six years or ten years or something? Um, yeah, I suppose if I, if I combined all of my stints, I've uh, been backwards and forwards. I suppose I've done about eight years of my eight career years. on road policing. Okay. In total, so yeah. what do you like about driving then? Because you, you well, must have clocked up quite a few kilometres by now. So, Yeah, I, um, what, I really, uh, what I like about um, driving, and particularly working in road policing in, in this area, is I can, tomorrow morning I can start work at 7 and um, I can deploy my staff wherever I want to around the area. But if I want to go for a drive down to Springs Junction, if it's a, if it's a beautiful day and um, I'll pick to go on um, State Highway and I'll head down to Springs Junction, work on my way down there, you know, taking some of the, the most beautiful scenery in the country. And, um, you know, of course, I'm working, but you know, my, my car's my office. And, um, you know, it's, it's just magic. Oh, I can go and work up around the lakes or I can go to Golden Bay. You know, it's pretty special. I've, I've had jobs when, up in Auckland where... You know, you look at four walls in an office for, for your whole day, whereas, you know, this job is, um, I just get out and about, and as I say, you know, Nelson's, um, Nelson Bay's one of the most beautiful parts of the country. Yeah. It's a, it's a privilege to, to have the job that I have. Com combined with the red and blue lights, I'm getting quite jealous now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I must admit that um, sometimes I put my red and blues on to go to things that I don't really exceed the speed limit. I'm a bit of a nana these days. <laughs> I, um, yeah. I might do a you know, hundred and five or something like that. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I, there are times, of course, when you've got to exceed that well, a little bit. To, but, you have um, to exceed that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, what don't you like about driving, Ben? Um, um, or, or the worst driving habits that other well, you or others are prepared to admit to, kind of thing, or things that drive you nuts. Okay. So. Uh, um, I guess there's a couple of bits to that. So the first part, what I don't like about um, driving, and I suppose the part, it's not what I don't like about, but the thing I find difficult with uh, my job, and my staff will back me up on that, is that we work long hours. You know, we work, we'll work a 10-hour shift, and um, being on right. a highway for 10 hours, looking for offences, um, it's really draining. You know, at the end of a 10-hour shift, you'll come home, and, you know, you'll just want to just want to relax, because it's a, it's a pretty um, pretty draining, you know, to be driving that long. And I take yeah. my hat off to truck drivers who, who do it... Um, you know, for a living. Um, I suppose the worst driving habit that um, others have is the thing that annoys me, and uh, this comes back to the speed thing, is um, I I don't like other drivers if it's an 80 kilometre an hour speed limit and they sit on 65, it, and um, that really annoys me. And I suppose that ties in with my worst driving habit because I um, I tend to get a bit grumpy when you know the is the speed limit is the speed as uh, a speed limit, and uh, and and some people don't drive at the speed limit um, ah, yeah. and I tend, to, I tend to be one of those um, you know, angry drivers sometimes and oh. uh, my kids will tell me off for it well absolutely <laughs> yeah I, guess I, I found that uh, you know the, the bit of road here um, from North Nelson into town when it dropped from 100 to 80 and then some people were driving it at 65 and that um, yeah oh. that's, that's my bad habit is that uh, I get a bit impatient with that 
Yeah, you have to remember which car you're in because you can't switch the red and blues on your family truck kind of thing. No, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't get... Yeah, because I guess I mean, you have to stay focused for all those 10 hours. You have to be, well, not the best drivers in New Zealand, but kind of up on the maintaining the standard for long yeah. periods of time and concentration and focus and stuff. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you're always in the in the public eye when you're in a, in a patrol yeah. vehicle. So you, you've, you've got to um, really demonstrate um, the standard of driving that you'd expect from other motorists. And then you've also um, you've got to be capable uh, as a driver. You know, you've got to have um, a reasonable skill level to um, to work on the highways because you're, um, there are times when you've got to travel at, at relatively high speeds. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to be able to control a motor vehicle and uh, cornering and tight corners, etc. Um, you've got to be able to... Um, you know, uh, complete a, a, a turn on a highway in a 100k area safely so you don't endanger your, uh, yourself or any other members of the public. So there's a whole lot of things going on. Um, and, you, yeah, the, the guys who work for me and the guys and girls, they're all really capable um, capable drivers, and they get better as, you know, as longer they spend in road policing because, you know, they're sure. exposed to it every day. Um, yeah, so they're, we've got a pretty good standard um, with, motor, uh, with our drivers. Yeah, I'm sh- sure... Uh, sure you have and that's good good to hear from the point of view of the general public that uh, you've got that so thank you to you and your team for all the work you do we've now got one one and a bit minutes left so the last question is going to be what message would you want to leave us general public with uh, for road safety on these beautiful Nelson Tasman roads we get to drive yeah, I guess it's just for the time of year we're coming into, um, so it's not going to be one sentence, I'm going to babble a little bit, but um, the time of year we're coming into, um, the weather's getting better, uh, people are getting out and about, there's more traffic on the roads, uh, we're going to have tourists coming into the area over, over summer. Hey, it's a cool time of year to be out on the road and visiting friends and, and doing all those exciting things over summer, but uh, um, just when you're out there driving, just just stick to the basics, um, those things that I've talked about, You know, your restraints, make sure you wear your restraint. Don't drive when you've been drinking alcohol or taking drugs. Um, don't use your cell phone when you're driving, and um, just keep your speed to the limit, and um, or drive to the drive to the conditions. And if we do that, then um, you'll have a fantastic summer, and um, yeah, we won't have to um, have to cross paths. Great. No, we don't want to see you in no. the lightest <laughs> sense. <laughs> But anyway, to you and your team again, thank you for all you do for us. Um, Thank you for all your words of wisdom on the show tonight. Uh, So, Dave, I'd just like to, again, thank you for your time. No, no, you're very welcome. I um, really enjoyed it. Anytime. Great. Okay. So, you've been listening to Drive Life, sponsored by MPD Fuels, I should add. Thank you very much to them for fueling us all up and everyone at the top of the south. This has been the Drive Alive radio show here on Fresh FM. We'll sit here, speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.